0: The church is one foundation He's Jesus Christ, our Lord. She is his by water and the word. From heaven he came and to his holy bride with
1: his own Welcome to our special Reformation episode of Lutheran Weekly. The music you just heard is by Lost and Found, a Lutheran band, one of whom we interviewed, which you'll hear presently. We'll use more of Lost and Found's music as transitional music this week between sections. We also have a suggestion of the week and tech tips both related to audio. no band is so unique and so Lutheran as Lost and Found. What does this mean? Two guys, Michael Bridges and George Baum, make up Lost and Found, a band whose songs consist of original tunes and hymns right out of the hymnal, only faster. Their style has been described as acoustic thrash, or speedwood, and is completely unique. They mainly use just acoustic guitar and piano for their songs, but are known by their fans as possibly the only band to use a slinky as a musical instrument. And yet, with all the fun, these guys remain true to their Lutheran roots. Today I have Michael Bridges on the line. He plays the guitar and is the one with the hair. Welcome, Michael. Hi. All right, first off, for those who haven't read every page on your website, how about a little history of the band?
2: I guess I'd probably be among those who have not read every page on our website. <laughs> uh, I should read it more. Let's see, a history of the band. We um, we grew up together uh, just a couple blocks away from each other in Niagara Falls, New York. We were members of Grace Lutheran Church then and we were kind of active in the youth group we were among the few Lutheran families in our um, primarily um, Roman Catholic town and so our families knew each other long before George and I were even born and um, we sang in junior choir did this kind of thing and we um, worked at um, the LCMS Camp Pioneer outside of Buffalo and uh, at some point we just discovered that um, we both had an interest in music and we started playing songs together, mostly in George's dining room. Well, to make a short story boring, to cut back to, or to get more to the future, um, we graduated from school, graduated from college that is, and decided to ride our bicycles around the United States. And in order to support our eight and a half thousand mile bicycle trip around the United States, We thought we'll play some concerts, much in the way that we did when we would go around from church to church in the Buffalo area to promote um, Camp Pioneer. When we were in high school, we did that. So we thought, you know, let's ride our bicycles across the United States and we'll stop at churches and colleges and uh, high schools, K-8s through and that kind of thing, and play some of our songs. And sure enough, um, we were able to schedule about uh, 270 concerts over the course of 340 days, and we rode our bicycles around 8,500 miles, um, riding from New York down to St. Louis, then down to Miami, Florida, over to San Diego, California, up to Seattle, Washington, and back to New York. We finished the trip, and um, we made a record just because we thought that's what bands do, so we recorded some of the songs we'd written along the way. And we went back to our regular lives. I was working in New York City, and George um, went back to college. And um, people started calling us up from places we'd been around the United States. They'd say, hey, Lost and Found, um, we're having a statewide youth gathering. Would you like to come and sing at it? Our response would typically be, what's a statewide youth gathering? We'd never heard of anything like that Mm -hmm. in the area where we grew up. And so we'd go and play at these youth gatherings and then people would meet us at youth gatherings and say, why don't you come and sing at our church? And um, then we sort of just started playing concerts at churches and youth gatherings, churches, youth gatherings, occasional camp and so forth. And at some point we thought, hey, maybe we could do this as our full-time job. And so in um, approximately 1991 or 2, we... Decided to try to do it full time, and here it is, the fall of 2005. 13 years later, and we're still doing it as our full-time job.
1: This is all full-time for you. You don't have any kind of uh, day job kind of thing, then?
2: No, this is our. Uh, that would be that would be fantastic to to have a day job, but no, this is pretty much this is our full-time thing. You know, we we might only play three or four concerts a week, but um, one concert takes us an entire day of travel. So uh, I live here in Los Angeles and George lives in New York City. So if we have one concert, say, for example, in Des Moines, um, that would take an entire day for us. So to play uh, even just three concerts a week, that's uh, 72 hours of our week, which is, you know, almost, well, I guess it's considerably more than the typical 40 hours that people work. Sure. So, um, yeah, it's pretty much full-time job just playing the concerts and the travel to and from them. It's, it's the one job, it's the only job where our commute might be 12 hours and our actual job is only 90 minutes. Sure. Lots of people have a 90-minute commute and a 12-hour workday. Mm-hmm. But and then when we're home, we have, you know, other things we have to take care of with, um, between the logistics of setting up the tours and, uh, you know, um, inventory and uh, what I mean is uh, and sure. so forth, making new songs. And then there's just the kind of uh, regular life that's kind of squeezed into the two or three days we're home each week.
1: Yeah. So you live in L.A. Yes. And George lives in New York. Correct. How do you guys collaborate and practice?
2: Well, if you've heard our music, you probably have recognized that we don't practice <laughs> as much as other bands do. Now, we always say we practice music in the same way as the physician practices medicine Um, you might go into a doctor's office and a doctor will say I've been practicing medicine for 25 years now and it never occurs to you as a patient to think like are you practicing right now on me (laughs) and the truth is of course the physician is practicing medicine right right there on every patient Mm -hmm. the same way that's how we practice music so we like to say we've been practicing music for full time for 13 years
1: okay so, how has the success of the band affected the rest of your life
2: well um, i 'd say the biggest impact uh, lost and found has had well there 's been so many it 's hard to even describe. Um, I guess now that I think about it, the impact is enormous because it is it has been our lives it 's almost like asking us how have the last thirteen years of your life affected your life mm-hmm. um, and specifically uh, with respect to being in this band as opposed to um, you know, having a job um, selling snowmobiles or something like that. Um this gives us a, a great opportunity to see the breadth the breadth and the dynamism of a church. Uh we get to travel to so many different churches and meet so many different people um involved in church that it gives us a it gives us a really nice big picture view. Sometimes I think we probably get to see in and experience more um, local congregations, local members and clergy than some of the church-wide officials do because we spent so much of our time traveling from church to church and staying in members' homes quite a bit. So we've met so many great people. That's really affected our lives. And along the way, we feel like we've come face-to-face with God. We've met God along the way. And what I mean by that is in the hospitality we've experienced from people, uh, their hospitality and their welcome to us has really been like a faith of God to us. Uh, when people welcome us into their homes, they speak a kind word and they, they, they um, extend kind of a hand of hospitality to us. It really is, that's how we experience God in the work that we do. Now you know in some just um, basic tangible ways that like our lives are affected by the band in that we have had the chance to see the entire world. Uh, I guess that's an exaggeration. Not really the entire world, but we have had a chance. and the people we meet, uh, I think the band's been a really formative experience. I don't know what God will have for us in store, which is you know, which may be that we play in this band until we retire, sort of, you know, Rolling Stones style. Mm-hmm. The Stones sure never thought they'd be playing in the band and they were thirty and then certainly now forty and now in their sixties, they're still doing doing a great job and so we kind of have a similar thing, not to, you know, not to compare ourselves to the Stones in <laughs> any way, except that um, we keep thinking, how long can Lost and Found last? Mm-hmm. And much to our surprise, it lasts and it keeps going. I guess something, maybe maybe it has something to do with the unique nature of our music. It's hard to categorize us and say, oh, Lost and Found, they they sound very 80s, or Lost and Found, they sound very 90s, or, uh, you know, Lost and Found, they sound very, um, whatever you call them, two thousand. So we just yeah, so we have a unique sound, so it's a little bit, uh, I guess it's kind of timeless.
1: Sure. So I have a related question. This one yeah. comes from uh, a girl in my congregation. Her name's Felicia. And yeah. uh, she heard I was going to be doing this interview and she wanted to ask you a question. She's a big fan. Um, she said, how do you stay strong in the faith with all the negative influences out there?
2: Um, I wonder what what, what do you think Felicia means by negative influences?
1: Oh, just I suppose the you know what we call the world. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, so many. Uh, you know, especially when you're talking about uh, bands, you know, there's so much. Um, when, when a lot of people think of rock and roll bands, they think of drugs and you know all yeah. kinds of things like that. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Well, you know, I think um, I don't. I don't know. I i I hesitate to you know say anything about um staying strong in faith only because you know my feeling is um sort of once once I start talking about like being strong in the faith that's that's the setup for a big failure mm-hmm. sure. <laughs> so i'm not really i don't know I, I hate to i don't i don't want to pretend to be an expert on staying strong in the faith but i I do feel like um something that keeps us energized. There are two or three things that really keep us energized and going and um, kind of help us avoid the impact of negative influences out there. And one is the encouragement of the people we meet along the way. Um, we're very lucky to uh, each night run into a different group of people who have really kind and encouraging things to say. And we kind of, it's almost like we feed off of them. Mm-hmm. Their energy and their enthusiasm and their um love of God um, translates to us. It's kind of a contagious thing. Sure. And the second thing is it, it feels like um when when anyone I guess I can only speak for myself, but I feel like when I'm engaged in um, I'm engaged in an activity or an effort that um is intended to kind of be helpful or useful or valuable mm-hmm. Um, it takes my mind off um things that might be considered like negative influences. Sure. It's almost like um if you know, feeling a little if I'm feeling a little depressed or lonely or down, of the best way to get out of that is to go out and try to be of service to someone or help someone in some way. And um, not that I don't mean to say that you know Lost and Found is out there providing this big service and helping people, but I feel good about what we're doing when we're playing in in Lost and Found um, and when we're playing concerts and when we're meeting people around the country. So it's harder to succumb to kind of negative influences because we don't necessarily feel um, like our lives and and mission are pointless or meaningless, but sure. so they're valuable, and then when we do start thinking, oh boy, what's the point, and, you know, why, why are we doing this, and we should be, um, you know, in the Peace Corps, or we should, you know, be teaching school in Rwanda or something valuable, um, people come up to us, and they say, hey, I hope you guys keep doing this, and you never give up, because, you know, you've been a real encouragement to and some of the stories that people share with us are, you know, shocking. I, I, I often think people give us considerably too much credit um, for what we do because, you know, we just sing and write song, write and sing songs. Um, but people somehow feel very encouraged in some cases, some people do. And when they communicate that stuff to us, it really keeps us encouraged and strong as well. Okay.
1: And you guys have chosen to stay independent instead of signing with a record label. Yeah. What went into that decision?
2: Well, a couple of things. Uh, One is, first it was just sort of accidental, because George and I never expected to be in a band. We never said, um, let us have a musical band. Mm -hmm. Um, So we never kind of went through the typical stages, like, well, then we're going to have to make a demo. Well, we never even went through the typical stage of we're going to have to get a drummer. We're going to have to get a bass player. We're going to have to get some people who can sing in our band or anything like that. We just, all of a sudden, here we were, a couple of you know junior high school students playing songs in George's dining room. The next thing we knew, we were traveling to churches to sing some songs and say, why don't you guys come to camp this summer with us? And the next thing we knew we were riding our bicycles and playing concerts in church fellowship halls and uh schools and then pretty soon we were at youth gatherings and one thing led to another. It never occurred to us that we were um an actual musical group. So it we never thought, hey, we should sign with a record label. Now, subsequently, uh we have been approached Um, or, you know, we've talked to different people, and people have talked to us about the possibility of record contracts, but um, we, at this point, we're just not interested in it because we want to be um, the kind of band that is, well, three or four things. We want to be intergenerational. Mm -hmm. We want to be interdenominational. Mm -hmm. And we want to be interactive. And um, signing with a record label and becoming a part of the musical industrial complex often curtails a band's ability to be any of these things. I'll give you an example. For example, um, with respect to being intergenerational, we think that church is an intergenerational experience, just like we think that life is and should be an intergenerational experience. We think it's really valuable to have everyone from toddlers to teenagers, to um, moms and dads, to senior citizens, all together in one place, experiencing something together and benefiting from one another's experience of whatever's going on. Mm -hmm. Um, Sort of capitalist commercialism and marketing strategy, successful uh, marketing strategy, when the goal is to sell more product and make more money, mm-hmm. successful marketing strategy calls for segmenting the market. It's a lot easier to sell a product to a group that you can identify. If you can say, all right, I'm selling this product to 13- and 14-year-old boys. Mm-hmm. Now, don't bring your 15-year-olds to this, You know, whatever it is, product, game, activity, right. um, cultural experience. And then they said, don't bring your twelve-year-old in. Don't bring the girls. This is for thirteen and fourteen-year-old boys. Well, then it's very easy to figure out where to advertise it, how to advertise it, which iconic celebrities to use as your spokespeople, and so forth. And you can sell product that way. I mean, you see it with everything from you know consumables to um, subjective kind of you know artistic things like music. Sure. So and and in and the church, I think, and it's sort of you know. Um, I don't know how to characterize it, but I, I think when the church falls into let us stop being the church and let us instead be a successful commercial enterprise, the church also becomes a segmenting, uh segregating organization mm-hmm. where they say, um, this is uh this is uh, kids church and this is teens church and this is college age group and church and this is adult church kind of thing, Mm -hmm. sort of removing everyone. I mean, we've even been to congregations where halfway through the Sunday morning Eucharist, um, they'll come in and take the kids out and take them down to the basement or something like that. And while all the adults are upstairs singing away that this is the feast of victory for our God, Mm -hmm. all kinds of really catchy tunes, they got the kids in the basement and they're teaching them, you know, um, Jesus loves the little children of the world. Which of course is true. Jesus does love all the children of the world of every different you know tribe and race and color and type. Um, but why couldn't the kids sing, "This is the feast of victory," sort of thing? So we think that when the church when when things are segmented, they're less reflective of um, an important element of life, which is that life and church are intergenerational experiences. So, I know I went way off on a tangent there, but the idea is that with a record label, a record label is in the business of making money. They're just interested in selling products, selling widgets, as it were. Mm -hmm. And so, um, they'll do everything they can to segment the market. It's very, very hard to sell a record um, when you just say, hey, here's a record everybody will like or in Tom's case, here's a record nobody will like, (laughs) kind of thing. um, It's very, it's hard to be intergenerational when you're with a record company. They will want you to be, to identify your demographic and say, this is a record that will be appreciated by whoever you decide, you know, um, seven-year-old elementary school students or, um, you know, uh, 16-year-old sports aficionados kind of thing. Mm. So it's kind of difficult that way. And then, we also want to be an interdenominational band um which we think um necessitates that we proclaim the love of God whose name is Jesus um and we don't do that because we want to be interdenominational or whatever this is just the message that we believe we believe that god speaks a word of love whose name is Jesus and that the grace and the love of god is extended to everyone of every time and every place um And that allows us kind of to be interdenominational because few people would kind of argue with that reasoning. Mm -hmm. Um, On the other hand, a lot of times a record company, and I'm sure if we ever did sign with a record company, we wouldn't sign with a Christian record company anyway. We'd sign with a regular secular label. Mm -hmm. But in the Christian industry, you know, it's kind of important to identify the theological perspective of the band. Mm-hmm. and uh ours is very broad and kind of um you know, inter denominational we also like to be, you know, the one other thing I said is we like to be an interactive band mm-hmm. we feel like our concerts even if we sang the same song every night uh, which in many cases we do sing the same songs because we take the requests from the audience and the mm-hmm. audience picks the songs we sing and of course, you know, people want to hear the same songs each time and mm-hmm. We feel like it'd be presumptuous of a band to select the songs because you know they're really there for the people who are listening, not so much for the, um, the thrill of the you know guys playing in the band, but for the the joy of people hopefully all gathered together. Though some are in the audience and some are on the stage, so we let people pick the song. But even if we were to pick the same songs each night, the concerts would be different every night because they're kind of participant or audience driven. Mm-hmm. Um, right halfway through our concerts we might say, Hey, does anybody have a question? And people ask questions and um so you know, the the answers are sort of spontaneous and different every night, you never know what'll happen. Uh, everything's kind of um affected by the environment. We like being interactive like that. For example, a band might say, um, kinda of the opposite of this would be a band might say, you know, we don't care if there's five people or five thousand people at our concert we put on the same show. And I can sort of see what they mean, which is we always give our best. We Mm -hmm. always put out all of our energy, no matter how many people are there. But we would think just the opposite. If there were only five people at our concert, we would put on a completely different concert than if there were 5,000 people there. In fact, we might say, hey, why don't we just go to Applebee's or something? We'd take the five people out to dinner, and then later people would say, Remember that time we went and saw us and found the only five of us, and we all went to Applebee's, and that was really fun? Instead of saying, they treated us like we were an arena crowd or something. Uh-huh. Um, we like to be interactive, and part of that necessitates that we're there. We often go to youth gatherings, stay for three or four days. In fact, when we go to the national gathering, we stay for the entire program. And we might play 12 or, I think in Orlando, we played 16 different times. At the last national youth gathering, we like that kind of thing. It allows us to be interactive to know people 's names, to kind of remember where they live, to hear a little bit of their story, and kind of um, encourage one another, hopefully to some extent are encouraging them, but also um, them encouraging us, which we think is a great benefit mm-hmm. of being in the band. Um, being interactive is another thing that's not particularly palatable to record labels. Mm-hmm. Record labels, of course, are in the business of selling records, so they want you to um, go to a town, play your concert for 45 minutes and get back on the bus and go to the next town and play another one. If you could play 3 towns in 1 day, that would be preferable to a record company. But staying in one town for 3 days would be the opposite of what a record company would want. Sure. But it's exactly what we want because it enables us to engage in um the lives of people and to know their stories and to share our story with them.
1: Okay, so you mentioned being inter um uh, interdenominational. Mm-hmm. Right? You guys are Lutherans and a lot of your music is is very Lutheran.
0: I mean, mm-hmm. besides
1: just the Lutheran song. Um, yes, right. <laughs> and so do you find yourselves changing your message or being pressured to change your message or your song selections for non-Lutheran audiences?
2: No. No no not at all we certainly certainly never change our you know song selection because we only sing songs that we write we have a fairly firm policy of not playing other people's songs um just cuz we part of what we do is we play our own original music mm-hmm. we occasionally sing someone else's song like for example uh we sing our friend Jerry Coleman's song The Lamb mm-hmm. which is really popular in the LCMS. Jerry was my camp counselor when I was at camp as a mm-hmm. teenager and so I've always loved that song and loved Jerry's, so we do that kind of song. But for the most part, we wouldn't just get up there and sing some song that we didn't write. Um, and, and when we're at other denominations, you know, we just we, we talk about the love and the grace of God. It's very interesting. I mean, we can sit down with youth leaders and pastors of any denomination and we'll say, well, you know, in tonight's concert, we're going to talk about the love of God and how, um, you know... Um, God has done for us what we can't do for ourselves. And the youth leaders and pastors will be, that's right, lost and found, right on. That's fantastic. We're right with you there. But then after we finish the concert, they'll get together with their youth group and say, you know, you kids got to shape up and learn to behave. You know, we're going to raise the bar and raise the standard and we're looking for better behavior out of you kids. So it's almost like there's this disconnect. Like, it may... People know, and I suppose this happens in the Lutheran Church as well. You know, it's like people who have an influence over congregations and teenagers—they know um, intellectually and even spiritually in in their hearts—and they know that they can't do for themselves what God has done for us in Christ. Mm -hmm. Yet, when it gets translated in a message or preaching or proclamation to teenagers, the message is you you better learn to behave or we're not doing enough or you better get stronger and try harder and work more yeah. rather than proclaiming the good news to the captives. You know what I mean? We always say, we always tell audience, we say, the good news is good news and the good news is never not good news. So if it doesn't sound like good news, it's not the good news because we always feel like the good news brings life and it brings freedom. Then mm-hmm. of course, you know, we're not saying don't behave. We 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 are always fond of uh you know, we always um reiterate for groups we say we're not saying don't behave. We're very pro behavior. Mm-hmm. We um we even we think behaving is good. We even wish that we could. We're simply willing to confess that we need a savior. And the good news is that God sent a savior and spoke the word of love whose name is Jesus. So it's kind of interesting that, you know, when we sit down and talk with people, they say, yes, love and we're right on the same page. The good news is the love of God, and Jesus came to save sinners. And then somehow that message gets switched around to the, um, you know, you, you kids better work a little bit harder. You're you know, trying to get anywhere with God, because God expects a lot more than this from you, <laughs> kind of thing. So... But we have not had to change our message in any way. In fact, we're really surprised at how many people from every de- different denomination will say, "Well, wow, I'm so glad to hear such a such a clear proclamation of the grace and the love of God." You know, and uh, every every place we've been, I mean, we we kind of you know being Lutheran, we kind of grew up not not in any. It wasn't like we were taught this. It's just that we sort of thought everyone is Lutheran, and we, Lutherans were, you know, right, and everybody was wrong because not for we were never told that. It's just that you know it's what you think it's the only thing we knew about, and we've been so surprised to discover how many different denominations we go to, and the people are full of the love and the grace of God and doing great things in all kinds of different ways, and you know it's been it's been a very eye opening experience and a, and a really good one. That's kind of what we mean when we say that we see the breadth of the church and all the different expressions
1: and manifestations. You've talked about some of the different places that you've been. You recently did a tour of Germany, so why don't you Mm -hmm. tell us about that. How did that come about?
2: Well, we go to Germany uh, once or twice a year. Uh, And I think we've been going there since, I want to say 1997. Um, So it's been about eight years. we haven't been there in 2005, and oddly, we don't have any plans to go there in 2005. Um, but we, So we go on a tour in Germany quite a lot. Uh, last summer, when we were on tour there for a couple of weeks, we filmed a documentary, which we call Steinald. And it's just sort of, uh, we jokingly refer to it as the rockumentary. And uh, on our new CD, Pronto, that came out over this last summer, uh there's a video on there, a short form quick time video, um, that's kind of highlights from the upcoming rockumentary that just kind of that shows us on tour in Germany and that kind of thing. But it's fantastic singing in Germany. We really love it, um partly because it's our heritage mm-hmm. and uh just had such funny experiences when we first went there. Um, we'd look around and it would say like, Oh,
0: this is this
2: is where my grandmother got this from, kind of thing. Like, you know, and in the front of the stage, we'd be playing a concert, and there'd be red geraniums planted. I would think, I thought my grandmother was the only person who planted geraniums every spring. But sure enough, they're all over Germany. And the foods, and the look of the people, and of course, the Lutheran heritage, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. It's just so, I don't know, We we felt a real connection Germany and the Germans I guess because we grew up um, you know in, in German families. Mm-hmm. So we were really lucky to have the chance to go there and um, experience all that kind of you know, cultural phenomenons. What we like to call cultural moments with Lost and Found. Mm-hmm. And you know we've been to uh, lots of different countries to sing you know um, everywhere from like India to Peru. um But we didn't feel the same kind of connection um, in that, you know, it just wasn't, it wasn't our particular kind of heritage, though, of course, those trips and those countries and the people there were absolutely fantastic and inspirational. Um, It's just been really fun in Germany. And then subsequently, we became friends with um, a guy over there named Christian Utpatel, who's really just become a really super close friend of ours, and He's a pastor in the Independent Lutheran Church there, mm-hmm. and which um, I guess the sort of the English acronym for it is uh, uh, the S or no, the the German the German letters the acronym is uh, SCLK. Mm-hmm. It's the um, the Independent Lutheran Church, kind of because they there's a state church in Germany which is mm-hmm. like the state Lutheran church, but this is the independent church. Anyway, um, Christian became our good friend, and he sets up our tours there now. Okay. And drives us around, like rents a van for us to travel around in and takes care of our sound system. He also operates our German language website. And uh it's been really fun. Then he translates our song and puts the text up there on the wall in the PowerPoint slide. Hmm. That way we can still sing in English so that the songs rhyme and yeah. uh, people can see the German text that they want. But the truth sure. is, most of the people in Germany speak quite a lot of English. And, uh, you know, because, as you may know, the Germans are smart. And, uh, you know, they, 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 I mean, teenagers in Germany, they, they'll apologize in English for the fact that they can only speak, you know, um, halting English, which is absolutely amazing because how many American teenagers could, you know, apologize in German for their halting German kind of thing? Uh-huh. Yeah, it's just remarkable, so. Oh, we've enjoyed it. We love singing in Germany. I don't know when we're next scheduled to go there, hopefully um, in the spring,
1: so do you know much german
2: uh German language yeah um uh, not you know certainly not uh a lot i mean not no i wouldn't I wouldn't want to be in charge of anything or have to you know have to carry on any conversations that involved past or future tense forms of verbs. <laughs> But, you know, we kind of, we can get by a little bit. And um, it's easier, of course, reading the German. Sure. Because, you know, you can look at the words, ah, yeah, I recognize that word. But um, when it comes to conjugating verbs, I think I'm, that's out of my league. Mm -hmm. That's a special, that's a special skill that I haven't developed yet. I've barely developed it in
1: English. (laughs) So your new CD you mentioned just came out, Prano. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So what's next?
2: Well, after the new CD, well, it's interesting. Um, I guess what we have coming out, though, well, is to back up, I mean, in 2004, we had so much new stuff come out because we had our DVD, we had the CD of uh, me and George singing hymns, traditional hymns in our kind of Speedwood style. We all I guess right around Christmas 2004, 2003, end of 2003, we released the Just George CD, which is George playing the piano. So we had the DVD, the Hymn CD, the Just George CD, and then this last um, summer we released Pronto. So we kind of had all this different stuff. We had another idea in mind for yet another CD that may or may not happen right away, but what we have coming out immediately is, um, like I say, the the documentary about the German tours, which will be a 45- or 60-minute documentary. And then... um, Actually, what I'm working on this morning is um, the new version of our songbook. Um, so that instead of being paper and spiral bound and weighing two pounds or something, or a pound each, we're going to put all of our songs on um, PDF files on a computer disk. And then I'm going to write them out in two different formats. One is, I'm just going to scan the old ones we have, which are... Um, the musical notes and melodies written out for mm-hmm. people who want that, but then I'm going to write up each song with just the chords above them so that um, you know people can kind of play them the way a, a worship band at church might play, where mm-hmm. they just have the words and the chords. So the new songbook disc will have 180 PDF files on it wow. with 90 of our songs each in two formats. Right. So cool. and I think that'll be kind of a fun thing to have. And then... You know, we're actually, believe it or not, this being October, um, we're gearing up for the Christmas tour again this year, oh. and um, that uh tour starts the first weekend in December, and that's, of course, where we get the good pleasure of traveling with our friends, uh, the Fitz family, okay. the jugglers. I don't know if you know them, but uh they're really great, a family of jugglers, and what I call acrobats because they're just unbelievably talented folks who do all kinds of different things. So that we'll have the jugglers on the trip. We'll also have our friend Dave Shear. He's a rapper who raps by the name Agape. We'll also have our friend, uh, folk singer Rachel Kurtz with us. And then we'll have um, Justin Vetrano, who is an actor who is based right now in New York, and he kind of does these first-person monologues about the Christmas story. So we're gearing up for the Christmas show. We always enjoy that quite a lot. I I can't remember the six cities it's coming to, but we'll be in six different cities um, in December.
1: Which is all on your website, I'm sure.
2: Yes, sure enough, absolutely.
1: Okay. So you mentioned some of the people that um, that you're touring with for this. Um, Uh For those who like your music, and, I mean, you guys are unique, so it's not like I can really say um, who else has a sound, a similar sound, but what other bands do you recommend that you think that people might like
2: wow boy that's a really tough call
1: or maybe i, I should just say what's you know, on your ipod
2: <laughs> yeah it's it is interesting you. i mean i love my ipod oh my goodness it's just um but you know of course you're podcasting so you know all about it i love mm-hmm. i don't know if it's apple slogan or i just heard it somewhere somebody about the ipod said well sliced bread had a good long run it's <laughs> so oh, true <laughs> I mean, once you get an iPod, it's just so much fun. It's recovered for me the joy of listening to music because I don't have to search all over my house for a CD when I want to listen to it anymore. All of my music is, you know, slowly getting um, kind of collected in one space, which is on my iPod, so I love that. And did you see that they came out with a video one this morning?
1: Yeah, just yesterday, actually.
2: Oh, was it yesterday? Yeah. Incredible. Boy, oh, boy. Um, so I have such a, such a wide variety of music on my iPod. I I like to listen to all kinds of different things. And to be perfectly honest, what I listen to, like when I, I'm going to go for a jog after we're done um, with this interview. And, uh, I like to, I like that audible.com site where I download Mm -hmm. books and magazines. Yep. So this afternoon when I jog, I'm going to listen to this week's New Yorker magazine. I just love that kind of stuff. But getting back to your question about bands, I mean. You know, I just like so many different bands. I think it's just hard for me to recommend, you know, which which particular band I would like. But you know, there is this guy who produced our um our something different C D in two thousand and three or two. Um he's Minneapolis based. His name is Jonathan Rundman. Mm-hmm. And boy, he's got a great C D out called Public Library. And, man, he's just, you know, and to me, he's just awesome. I mean, it's just the kind of music that I like. And speaking of which, you know, it's the kind of music I like. I like music like um, the Jayhawks. Okay. They're a Minnesota band. Um, I like the Violent Femmes, Milwaukee band. Um, I like Tom Petty, that kind of sound, you know. Mm-hmm. too basic kind of guitar band, nothing too special or over-the-top Um So anyway, our friend Jonathan, I really like his music a lot. And, you know, what's interesting is I I can't say that I'm a really big fan of hip-hop in general, Mm -hmm. Um, but I love the CD of um, our friend Dave Shear, who his rap name is Agape, Mm -hmm. and he has a CD out called Many Rooms, and it's a fantastic CD. It might be a little controversial, you know, for some people to listen to. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I guess that's the nature of hip-hop music. <laughs> it's a little sure. bit redit, a little confrontational. Mm-hmm. But it's really, really good and many rooms, of course, it's, um, you know, taken from uh Jesus, what is it? Uh John 14 when Jesus says, um, uh in my father's house there are many rooms. Mm-hmm. we're not so, I would not have told you. I can't remember where that was. It was John 14 or something like that. Like that. says, uh, I'm going now to prepare a place for you and disciples are like, We don't know where you're going Jesus says, I am the way kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Anyway, um I think that's uh I think it's right. but in any event that's the the C D is named after that kind of idea that in God's house there are many rooms and um that's Dave's C D, Dave Shear and then uh Jonathan's C D called Public Library is just a fantastic yeah,
0: He's got some this
2: some opening stuff. song in there called Smart Girl,
0: mm-hmm. and it's
2: just, he says, you know, listen um, his opening line, he says, uh, listen to me boys and learn important things, benefit from wisdom experience brings. I'll be specific, I'll be direct. When you look for love, look for intellect, cause smart girls, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. It's just this beautiful song, you know, it's like, it's not all about, um you know, a television or movie kind of conception of what makes you know, uh, a person beautiful. Mm-hmm. So yeah. it was great, great
1: song. Yeah, his stuff is available uh, through eMusic.com.
2: Oh, it is. Yeah. Yeah, and
1: I, in fact, good. I, I saw the link on your site to his. Uh huh. And downloaded a couple songs, including that smart girl song. Oh, good. And, good. And yeah, you're right. It's really good. Uh-huh. And um, and he's got another uh, CD called Sound Theology. Oh really
2: yeah, good. absolutely. Two discs. Diff-
1: yeah. yeah. So and all that stuff, um eMusic has a, a free introductory kind of deal where you can download like forty songs or something like that wow. before you ever pay huh. a penny. And I then, didn't know that. So yeah, that's a anybody out there is wants to check it out, that's a really great way to, to get started and, and see what's what's out there.
2: Good. Good.
1: Um so I have to ask You guys perform in churches. Do people actually sit in the front?
2: They do. Yeah, they do. It's really funny, though. (laughs) We were just playing, uh, I can't remember, someplace a week or so ago, and um, everyone in the front two rows, it was like a high school auditorium Mm -hmm. venue, everyone in the front two rows was Methodist or Presbyterian (laughs) or Covenant or Evangelical Free Church. And the Lutherans, I mean, no exaggeration, the Lutherans were all toward the back of the room. <laughs> so it's kind of, you know, funny, I mean, maybe for whatever, for whatever reason. But, yeah, we do sing in churches, and people do sit down front. In fact, we love when people sit in front of the front pew. They'll sit right in, right in the very front,
1: uh-huh.
2: on the floor, and we love it. The closer, the better.
1: Um, you do play for a lot of Lutherans, and yeah. with, with Lutherans tend to be, uh, well, pretty much allergic to change. Um, have you run into any criticism of your style?
2: Well, you know, I have to say that for the most part, we get more affirmation than we get criticism. Um, Sometimes it does take, sometimes people will wait for others to kind of say, yes, Lost and Found's okay, um, or yes, I like them, and then they'll kind of say, oh, yeah, yeah, we like them too. Um,
1: Yeah. This is the point in the podcast where I make a big apology, especially to Michael, because my recording software apparently decided that the interview had gone on long enough and just stopped recording. Michael was saying that listening to music is like going to the mall, that people tend to like what they're supposed to like, and since Lost and Found isn't like any other music style, they sometimes get negative feedback for their style. He also said that while they occasionally get concerns about their style, they basically never get negative feedback about their content, and he'd rather people be concerned about their style than their content. He also mentioned that their music will soon be available through the iTunes Music Store, but the store is backlogged because they're busy setting up all the video content. Apparently ABC's Lost is more important than Lost and Found. So check them out there soon. If you'd like to learn more about Lost and Found, purchase their music, hear some more samples, or check out their concert schedule, surf over to speedwood.com and find all that and more. You can also find information there to book them for your church or community. And Michael, thank you again, and sorry about cutting you off. No
0: matter how high your hollow, I will always remain in your love. No matter how high hello hollow, I will always remain in your love. When the water touched my head, she weren't there just like instead in the water hands on. The-
1: it's time for the product product suggestion of of the the week i and other pastors make our sermons available online as mp3 files many mine included as podcasts i'd love to see a podcast with a weekly sermon each week by a different pastor i'd be happy to host the file if anyone's interested in helping with this drop me a line and i'll give you whatever help you need I mainly need someone to contact pastors or churches and send me information about the files on various church websites. If you use audio on your website or for other distribution, Use MP3 format instead of WMA or AAC. MP3 is universal and will not exclude anyone. podcast is brought to you free of charge that said my wife and i are hoping to adopt an orphan or two from ethiopia hopefully by the end of 2006 to give them a christian home and are raising money to make that possible if you would like to help make that happen you can make a donation purchase through our affiliate links or send us your used inkjet cartridges you can find more information at www.myheartsjoy.com and while any and all help is appreciated you're under absolutely no obligation I'm happy to make this available to all regardless, and appreciate you listening. Next week, we focus on catechesis and other resources. We'll interview Pastor Ken Bankin, who runs Resources for Lutheran Pastors, plus a tech tip and suggestion of the week on catechesis. Also, Starsoft Technologies, following our interview two episodes ago, has offered a 20% discount to our listeners. Just mention Lutheran Weekly or LCMSPastor.com when you order. Their website, again, is Starsoft.com. That closes the book on another Lutheran Weekly. Remember that you can post comments on our forums at lcmspastor.com slash forum and ask questions of upcoming guests. Your questions will be read on the air during the interview. If you'd like to leave a voicemail to be aired on the show, you may call 206-339-7909 to leave a message. Thank you, and the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, be with you. God of grace and God of glory on your people,
0: for your power, crown your